This episode of Golden Age is brought to you by the TV Guide Podcast Network and our brand new show, All I Want for Christmas is this podcast, obsessive reviews of TV holiday movies. Join TV Guide holiday movie fanatic Julia Lechner and her special guests every Tuesday and Thursday as they break down the must-watch TV holiday movies of the season from Hallmark, Lifetime, Netflix, and more. Pour yourself a hot cup of cocoa, throw a Yule log on the fire, and enjoy this holly jolly podcast. Subscribe to TV Guide's All I Want for Christmas is this podcast now, wherever you stream your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Golden Age, an award season podcast from TV Guide. I'm your host, TV Guide Editor-in-Chief Christopher Rosen, and welcome back. This is our second episode. We did it. All hundreds of listeners we had last week, thank you again for downloading this week. And if you're a new listener to the show, welcome. Uh, this podcast is all about award season, but filtered through the prism of streaming services. And then also uh, kind of like preview what the industry is going to look like in a few years and what is really a, a, a sea change kind of moment for filmmaking and content and watching at home. Never has it been easier for you, a regular person listening to this podcast, uh, to watch an award season movie. Just last week, I had a film critic and TV Guide contributor Jordan Hoffman on the show, uh, and we discussed Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. In the past, that's the kind of limited release movie that maybe would have come out in theaters and you know you would not have gotten to see for months, and then Eddie Murphy gets all this awards buzz, and by the time you do get to see it, it's the Oscars and it's March. Now, it's on Netflix right now. You could turn off my podcast. Don't do that, please. Keep listening. And just go watch Eddie Murphy and Dolomite is my name. Uh, so it's a great time. But that's what we're going to be talking about here on this show. Um, coming up later in the episode, I'm going to talk to Aliza Sessler, uh, who is a video editor and podcast producer here at TV Guide and a real award season aficionado. Aliza and I sit next to each other in the office, full disclosure. And boy, she just loves movies and loves talking about this stuff. And one of the movies that I know she loved from this year is uh, Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic starring Taron Egerton as Elton John. It's available now. Anybody could watch it on Vudu. You could rent it on Amazon, other video on demand providers in your house. I would highly recommend you do so. The movie is very good, incredibly watchable at home. I had a blast watching it. If you like Elton John, you will like it. Taron Egerton is a future superstar. Uh, you heard it here last because I can't believe, I can't imagine I'm like the first person to say that. But he's so good in this movie. And Elise and I are going to talk about it and talk a little about uh, his fledgling Oscar chances. To be real, they don't really exist. But for this podcast, I'm going to try to pretend that they do. And we're going to try to get Taron Egerton nominated for Best Actor, which won't happen. But first, I wanted to talk about a couple of things in the news this week. Uh, earlier this week, Warner Media introduced HBO Max to the masses. Uh, in 2020, Every content creator and mass conglomerate corporation will have its own streaming platform. And uh, this one is special because it's Warner Brothers' version of that. Uh, it's combining the powers of HBO, uh, the Warner Film Library, TNT, uh, just a bunch of different properties all rolled into one. Uh, a couple of things I want to discuss about uh, HBO Max. It's going to start in May 2020. 
And when it does launch, it will have at least a few feature films. And I think it will be very interesting to see next year how much Warner Brothers, as a film studio, leverages HBO Max to debut smaller pictures. Uh, so let's just go through the list here quickly. Uh, announced earlier this year is that the Melissa McCarthy comedy Super Intelligence, which she uh, produced with her husband, Ben Falcone. Ben is the director. It stars Melissa McCarthy, Bobby Cannavale, Brian Tyree Henry, Gene Smart, and James Corden. Big cast. Uh, it was supposed to come out in theaters in December of this year. Well, now it's going to HBO Max in May 2020. Here's the log line from HBO Max. Super Intelligence tells the story of Carol Peters, to whom nothing extraordinary ever happens. But when she starts getting snarky backtalk from her TV, phone, and microwave, she thinks she's being punked. The world's first super intelligence has selected her for observation, taking over her life with a more ominous plan to take over everything. Now, Carol is humanity's last chance before this artificial intelligence with an attitude decides to pull the plug. That sounds like a very typical Melissa McCarthy comedy, many of which Warner Brothers has released over the last few years, including Tammy and Life of the Party. Uh, this one, maybe it would have done decent box office. Usually Melissa McCarthy movies do because they have like a low overhead, a decent budget, and they kind of could draw on her talent and her name. This one's going to HBO Max. Why not? And honestly, I wonder how many more Warner Brothers movies like this will debut on HBO Max. The other stuff coming to this platform, there's a Gina Rodriguez film called Bobby Sue. There's a Greg Berlanti production called Unpregnant. And then there is a notable one that I wanted to highlight, Steven Soderbergh's working title project, Let Them All Talk, the story of a celebrated author who takes a journey with some old friends to have some fun and heal old wounds. Her nephew comes along to wrangle the ladies and finds himself involved with a young literary agent. Of note here is the cast, Meryl Streep, Diane Wiest, Candace Bergen, Gemma Chan, and Lucas Hedges as the young nephew. What a lineup. This seems like the type of movie that would definitely generate awards buzz. It comes out next year. Another Meryl Streep collaboration with Steven Soderbergh. We talked last week, Jordan and I, about The Laundromat, Steven Soderbergh's previous collaboration with Meryl Streep, which is on Netflix now, if you could find it. Uh, that movie was a little fraught, especially with how Meryl Streep's character ends up uh, in brownface throughout the film. Uh, this one, who knows how it will play out. I know Steven Soderbergh is filming now. He kind of like posted about it on his uh, social media accounts. An interesting thing here, though, that I noticed is that let Them All Talk is not a Netflix movie. It's going to HBO Max. Steven Soderbergh has a long history with Warner Brothers. He's made all the Oceans movies with Warner Brothers. He made the Magic Mike movies with Warner Brothers. Both of those movies will be on the platform, HBO Max, when it launches. Now he's going back there after a little brief hiatus working with Netflix uh, to produce stuff for HBO Max and Warner Media. And I wonder, going forward, if we're going to see more and more of Steven Soderbergh gravitating back to the Warner Brothers home. Warner Brothers has historically, as a movie studio, been a friend, filmmaker-friendly enterprise. Uh, Christopher Nolan's made his movies at Warner Brothers. Uh, Clint Eastwood has famously made his movies at Warner Brothers. Last year, Bradley Cooper, when he did A Star is Born, he did it at Warner Brothers. This year, even though it's a DC comic and a property, Todd Phillips made The Joker at Warner Brothers. Uh, it has historically done really good work with filmmakers. And if HBO Max decides to become like more of a boutique streaming platform in some regards where you could like premiere a Steven Soderbergh movie on Warner Media's streaming home, that's going to be a big deal because Warner Brothers has a history with some really powerful filmmakers. And it will be interesting to see how that plays out for next year's award season as, H as Warner Brothers uh, kind of sets its lineup.
I will just say of note and another movie that's out today in theaters that we're not going to discuss, but I would wonder what it would be like if this was 2020 instead of 2019. Edward Norton's Motherless Brooklyn is out today in theaters, a movie that has gotten mixed reviews, made some splashy debuts at the fall festivals, and Norton has really made the rounds in his interviews and discussed how difficult it was to make. He didn't want to do it at Netflix. He probably could have if they, you know, made an offer to him. He wanted to do it with Warner Brothers. He wanted to get like the real budget and real actors and all these things and X, Y, and Z and get a theatrical release. I wonder now if this was 2020, would Motherless Brooklyn have maybe a platform release for a few weeks, kind of like how Netflix has done with their movies, and then immediately go to Warner Media, HBO Max, and be able to be seen by a larger amount of people. And I kind of think that would be, if any other option comes up, that would be foolish because it just feels like this is a natural progression for these boutique movies, these awards season movies that maybe used to, you used to be able to put them out in theaters and kind of like hope for the best and generate word of mouth. Nowadays, there's just too much content. Uh, they need kind of like that little burst of a theatrical push and then they'll hit the platform. And speaking of hitting the platform, I mean, we talked last week about Dolomite Is My Name, which is out now, and Laundromat. Both of those movies were in theaters, probably still are in some theaters, and now are available on Netflix. On Netflix today is The King uh, with Timothy Chalamet. That movie was in theaters for a little bit. It's another one of those Netflix movies like The Laundromat that I think Netflix had higher hopes on uh, maybe earlier this year. It's been seen now at festivals, mixed reviews. Maybe not the slam dunk awards contender that people had thought. And now it's just going to be on Netflix and you can watch it right now. Another movie out in theaters now for Netflix that will be on the platform later this month is The Irishman. That's right. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you can find a movie theater in your area, most likely, that will have The Irishman playing. There are some theaters around New York and New Jersey that have it. I'm sure elsewhere around the country. It is out in theaters now. It will be there. And then it comes to Netflix on November 27th, just in time for Thanksgiving. Uh, I saw The Irishman at the New York Film Festival. I reviewed it for tvguide.com. I am a Scorsese stan, as the kids say, and I absolutely loved it. It is a very, very good movie. I cannot wait to see it again. And I'll be going with my buddies to see it in the movie theater before it premieres on Netflix. And then I fully anticipate uh, watching it on Netflix at some point this year slash forcing my wife to fall asleep on the couch while we watch it together. Um, it's out in theaters now if you want to see it, and then we'll talk about it when it comes to Netflix. But that's just, you know, kind of like what's happening in the world of streaming at the moment. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk to Eliza Sessler about Rocket Man, which is streaming now on a bunch of VOD providers. I rented mine on Vudu, a cool service you should look into, and we'll put a link in the show notes uh, to Rocket Man so you could watch along at home too. Uh, this is Golden Age, a TV Guide award season podcast. I'm Christopher Rosen, and we'll be right back. This episode of Golden Age is brought to you by the TV Guide Podcast Network. Okay, we'll get to Eliza in a second. Uh, but one other thing I wanted to mention before we do is today is the launch of Apple TV+. Plus. I didn't mention in the first segment because... What is Apple TV Plus? I don't even know if Apple TV Plus knows what Apple TV Plus is. Right now, you could go and watch uh, The Morning Show with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, uh, C with Jason Momoa, Dickinson with Haley Steinfeld, and a few other shows. And there's a documentary on there, uh, a nature documentary as well. Coming later this year, though, in the movie aspect is a movie called The Banker with Samuel Jackson and Anthony Mackie. 
Uh, that film, directed by George Nolfi, who did The Adjustment Bureau, is set to launch at the AFI Festival later this month before a theatrical rollout in December and then a hit on Apple TV Plus in the new year. Uh, it's significant because it's one of the few theatrical movies, basically, that Apple TV is going to be putting out. The company also has a content deal with A24, who has a very strong track record of putting out some of the most interesting and talked about indie films of the last five years. This year, they have a number of big contenders for Oscars and you know other awards, including Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler and Waves with Sterling K. Brown. Uh, they put out The Lighthouse. In the past, they've done Spring Breakers and... You know, they did Moonlight, obviously. This is a major uh, boutique studio. They worked with Apple TV on the upcoming Sofia Coppola film On the Rocks, which stars Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. Bill Murray playing like a Bill Murray type, like raconteur, who is, uh, you know, an absentee father. And Rashida Jones is his daughter. And she goes looking for them. The film shot in New York uh, this year. It's expected to bow in 2020. And, you know, there was a Fortune article that suggested it might come out uh, it might be pegged towards a Cannes Film Festival debut, which would mean May. Uh, it would come out maybe and then do a theatrical run before landing on Apple TV+. Plus. What Apple TV Plus sounds like for movies is a little bit like what Amazon uh, Prime Video sounded like at one point for movies as well, where uh, they were co-partnering with other studios for releases. They would have a traditional theatrical release, unlike what Netflix does and then would land on the platform eventually. Amazon had a lot of success with that early on. Uh, Manchester by the Sea being a great example. The Big Sick as well. Two movies that uh, were buzzy Amazon acquisitions. They ran in theaters. They made a decent amount of money. The Big Sick made about $50 million. Manchester by the Sea uh, did as well and got a Best Picture nomination and a bunch of Oscar nominations. But in recent times, Amazon's output has not been as impressive. Uh, to put it mildly, Late Night this year was obviously a big, high-profile theatrical flop, but it has done really well, according to Amazon. On Amazon, I'm totally not surprised by that. Uh, it's a very watchable movie. It is very light and like kind of a rom-com uh, that you would just want to sit home and watch on a Friday night and maybe do other things while it's on. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the other Amazon movies, we'll see how they do. They have The Report coming this year. Uh, originally, that was a theatrical a uh, big theatrical release. It's getting a two-week window, basically, before it hits Amazon Prime Video. It comes out on November 15th in theaters. We'll hit Amazon Prime November 27th or 29th. And then The Aeronauts is another one uh, that was supposed to have a big IMAX run. It will not. It comes out in theaters, I think, on December 6th and then hits Amazon soon after. So Amazon has not had the most success in recent times with that. We'll do it in theaters and then put it on our platform. We'll see what Apple TV Plus does uh, in the coming weeks, I'm going to talk to Liam Matthews, a TV Guide editor here uh, about Apple TV. He's watched all the shows. Uh, so we'll look for that maybe next week on next week's episode. I kind of want to dive into some of those Apple TV Plus shows. Uh, I understand they're not necessarily awards movies, but I think there's a lot of connection between awards movies and like what Apple TV Plus is doing. And when you have talent like Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston and Jason Momoa, the lines between what an awards movie are and like what a prestige TV Thing is is definitely blurred uh so that's apple tv plus i'm gonna take a break now come back with elisa sessler to talk about rocket man this episode of golden age is brought to you by the tv guide podcast network hey we're back here on golden age tv guides award season podcast i'm christopher rosen and i'm joined by elisa sessler 
uh, video editor and podcast producer extraordinaire here at TV Guide. Elisa, how are you? I am great. How are you? I'm so excited to, to have here. you here. Yeah, I'm very Thank excited you. to talk to you. You are Elisa sits next to me in the office, and she is uh, a font of information about award season and all these, uh, you know, the things we're talking about on this show, and she's so enthusiastic about all the films and projects. It's just great. Thank you. Such you. A, you really like all this stuff. So I wanted to talk to you about a movie I know you really enjoyed that is actually available now uh, for people listening to this podcast to watch at home via Vudu or other on-demand, video-on-demand providers, uh, Amazon. You could rent it called Rocket Man, uh, the Elton John biopic starring, starring Taron Egerton. Yeah. Uh, it came out in May. And you've been talking about it for a while. I remember talking to you over the summer. You were so excited about it. Yes. And uh, why we're talking about it now is because uh, Taron Egerton's performance is truly remarkable. I think we would both agree. Oh, uh, absolutely. He's amazing. Amazing. And it's not necessarily getting the awards uh, traction that I don't think either one of us feel like it should. So uh, yes. I, I just want to tee up. So talk to me about uh, Rocket Man and your impressions of the movie and stuff and what you loved about it. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. So it's like you said, it's a story of Elton John. Yes, and uh, it's fantastical. It's bold. It like takes you on a ride from like his rise to fame and like his struggle with addiction. And at the heart of it is Taron Egerton, Egerton, yeah, um, who's phenomenal as Elton John. And it's so hard to play someone that everyone knows, especially because like you know with Bohemian Rhapsody, like everyone knows who Freddie Mercury Mercury is. In this case, everyone knows who Elton John is. And he just embodied him so well. And like throughout the movie, like I lost track of how many times I said to you, like, he's incredible. It, he it, just gets it. He totally gets it. And it's a really wild performance because, A, I don't necessarily know that he actually looks like Elton John. So it's like, yes. you know, it's like, I think one of the things you mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think that's like the big elephant in the room around this movie is just that like yes. uh, maybe Bohemian Rhapsody took up a lot of the oxygen around Rocket Man, but I mean, you know, Rami Malek has a passing resemblance to Freddie Mercury, and when you put the makeup on him, he really does kind of, it's a very, they're, they look a very much alike. Absolutely. And I think Elton John and, and Taron Egerton don't necessarily look much alike, but I way more believed Taron Egerton was Elton John than I did Rami Malek was uh, Freddie Mercury, because I just think Taron gets at the core of what Elton John is and like his personality and his persona and his attitude and swagger and his inner demons and it's like an incredible like he just basically mimics like the essence of Elton John in a way that I was totally blown away by. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. And he does all his own singing. So that's the other thing we could talk about. Uh, the thing you mentioned that it's a fantastical movie. And I think what maybe if you haven't seen Rocket Man or you did see Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is a much more straightforward biopic uh, kind of in the tradition of like a walk the line or any kind of like musical biopic that we've seen. Uh, it's a rags to riches story with like a, you know, it's a very typical story of like how uh, Freddie Mercury became famous and then you know his tragic death and all these things uh rocket man does that as well but it's way more uh elaborate and fantastical like a lot of it's a musical basically yes. uh there's like just a break into song in the middle of the movie uh there are different variations of the famous elton john songs it's not just the you know the standard uh versions and taron is actually singing the songs whereas rami malik mostly lips 
mostly did lip syncing and then also like had some singing to track. It seemed like he did sing a little, but not as much as Taryn, who was just fully yes. singing the whole time. Yes. Like he like it's not just him, like you said, like it's him. It's the other characters in the movie and they help tell the story. Right. And uh, Rami Malek, like it was he was lip singing. And I read somewhere that he it was a mix of like his voice and like Freddie yeah. Mercury's voice. Blended together, whereas Taryn did a whole... I mean, Rami Malek, of course, did a ton of heavy lifting, sure. too. But Taryn really got to showcase how well he could sing. Yeah, it's it's an it's a, just an incredible performance. And he's so... Uh, he doesn't... It's an interesting movie, too, because I think, like, a lot of times when you do a musical biopic, especially when the artist is involved in the movie, uh, like Elton John, you know, was, and, like, obviously, like, Queen, the surviving members of Queen were with Bohemian Rhapsody, there is a lot of, like, you know... Uh, hagiography and like they kind of like you know don't want to show the warts of maybe of what happened or present the events in the best light possible but with Rocket Man I feel like they don't really shy away from a lot of the the oh, uh, problems in Elton no. John's life and his addictions and his you know sometimes just really being like unlikable and like he's fine with showing that in the fine with letting Elton John was fine with letting them show that as the full picture of his legacy and that's what I think makes it a lot much of a stronger movie than Bohemian Rhapsody that said sure. uh Again, Bohemian Rhapsody is the movie that people are still talking about. Like a year later, it made $900 million at the box office. It was nominated for multiple Oscars, and it won Rami Malek Best Actor. And I don't think we're going to see – I mean, it's not going to happen for Rocket Man. I just straight up don't think it will, unfortunately. Yeah. and Which makes me so sad because, yeah. like we mentioned, like Taron's incredible. The movie itself is so strong and like bold and fantastical. But it came out so early. It came right. out in May. And, you know, like we, we, it came out, I think, at the end of May. It came out after Memorial Day weekend. It made, like, almost $200 million worldwide. So it was, like, a decent performer over the summer. People saw it. But when it came out, we're only, like, a few months past Robbie Malik winning Best Actor. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was still, like, raking in millions of dollars when that happened in, like, late February and March. And it's, it's just been a big hit. It was a huge moneymaker for Fox, who put it out last year. And now I'm like, I looked at like watching Rocket Man this week. I was like, this movie should have come out now. It really could have come out like today. And, you know, which Bohemian Rhapsody came out on this weekend uh, last year, came out November 2nd last year. If Rocket Man came out today, I think it would not only have made more money, I think you would really have a legitimate case to be made that Taron would be a heavy contender for best actor, even in a year when the best actor category is probably as strong as we've ever seen, at least in like the last few years, right? For I, sure. Absolutely. There's so many strong performances. You have Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, so I know you went through yeah. and you kind of like, so give me the strong performances that, I mean, like we have, obviously. For sure. We Leonardo DiCaprio, From Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. We have Joker. Yes. Joaquin, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, Adam Driver mm-hmm. for Marriage Story. Those like, when I read articles about who are the strong contenders, those are consistently yes. top five. And then the ones I see alternate are Adam Sandler right. for Uncut Gems, uh, Christian Bale in mm-hmm. uh, Ford versus Ferrari, uh, Eddie Murphy yes. in uh, Dolomite is My Name, and um, uh, Robert De Niro for The Irishman. So there's a, it's a, like right there, that is an incredible amount of heavy hitters. You're yes. going to have people like, and that's not even including Taron, you're going to have like a best actor race where you end up with like someone like, a potentially like Leonardo DiCaprio getting snubbed uh, because there's just no room for like yeah. all these performers. Um, I find uh, you mentioned Eddie Murphy. I'm glad you did because I think he actually uh, should get nominated as well. And I think 
there's a very strong comparison to be made between Dolomite Is My Name and Rocket Man in that they're both biopics of these like, you know, very uh, creative and, and brilliant in their own different ways to men uh, with these that where the movies maybe are not. And we, I like both of those movies. I don't know if you've gotten to see Dolomite yet. It's on Netflix, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. But it, I'm definitely going to see it's it. It's good, and I think so is Rocket Man. I think they're both fine movies, but I think the performer the performances are what really pushes them over the top and are really special. And I think Dolomite is my name, and Eddie Murphy. You're seeing right now, Eddie Murphy is going through like a an awards campaign gauntlet. He's uh, been everywhere. He was at the Governor Governor's yes. Awards this past weekend, and you know, got like a big ovation. He's going to be hosting Saturday Night Live in December. Yes. Uh, they're doing, Netflix is doing like big events around Dolomite is my name. Uh, he's did a Times profile and he was in everybody at AEW and all these different things. And it's like Eddie Murphy is very prominently out there and people are not going to forget when their awards voters are voting. Right. They're probably not going to forget Eddie Murphy because they've seen him. Taron, because the movie came out so early in the year, they're still doing stuff with Taron Egerton. I know he's performed a lot and like they've done stuff with Elton John. Yes. But it's not nearly the same scale. And I just feel like that's unfortunate because I think the timing really plays against that movie. And if they would have released it later, I think you'd have a legitimate shot. And I think I would not be surprised if the more people watch this, uh, you see, um, you know, a lot of people on social media reacting to Terrence's performance and being like, oh, that was great. Like, what a great movie. He was so great. I wish he would have gotten nominated. I think you're going to kind of see that more and more as people can see this movie at home. Yes, absolutely. And Taryn and uh, Dexter Fletcher, who's the yes. director, uh, I saw that they're doing some screenings followed by some yeah. Q&As so, of the film. But, which is great. Right. I, I will say that despite Tara not getting an Oscar nomination, which I think we could just say right now is probably not going to happen. Unfortunately, yes. I yeah. do think he has a very legitimate shot at a Golden Globe nomination. They're going to run it in a musical comedy category, which Absolutely. it is a musical for sure. I mean, like, it's not just because there's there's musical elements. It is a musical. They're, like, breaking into song and dance a lot and breaking the fourth wall uh, often in the movie. Um, it does have musical elements. I think he will get nominated in Best Actor in that category. For and sure. while I don't know if he'll win because – I think I read that uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to be considered a comedy. Okay. So they're going to have Leonardo DiCaprio in there. I, there are not a lot of, if, when we went through the list, I mean, Dolomite is my name, a little consider a comedy. He could very conceivably actually win at the Golden Globes, especially if they do enough promotion on that with the Hollywood Foreign Press. So it's not a lost yeah. cause, and maybe we'll get to see a nice Taron Egerton speech, and people will remember this performance at that point. But it just it feels like such a, it's just a wonderful performance, and he's just so good. And I'm just like, he's an actor. I don't know how you felt about him before this. I know he's been in The Kingsman and he's done singing in like animated movies like Sing. I know yes. he's very, very fun in. Um, I, he was just not a performer that I was necessarily invested in mm-hmm. one way or the other. Like it wasn't like I was like, oh, I don't like Taron Egerton. It was, all, it was just like whatever, kind of like a shrug emoji. Uh, but now <laughs> I'm like, oh, I really love, I can't wait to see what he does next. I'm so yeah. excited to see like where his career goes. And I just think he's like going to be he has the potential to be like a really talented and like very big actor in the next like five years. For sure. I always like he was always one to watch. I always was like, oh, you're you're definitely you're going to have a great career. Yeah. And I'm hoping like let's say he does take a win at the Golden Globes. That could definitely put him in as a serious contender. For the the best actor, yeah, maybe. I mean, you never know. Yeah, I'm I'm wishful thinking here. Like, <laughs> I really am rooting for him. Uh, all right. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for uh, joining me here on Golden Age. We'll have you thank on again. You. Like I said, Elisa really knows this stuff and really pays attention to this stuff. So, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, we'll be right back. 
Thank you so much to Eliza, and thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Golden Age, an award season podcast from TV Guide. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And even if you didn't enjoy the show, subscribe, download, give me a positive review. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, stuff in the coming weeks. Like I mentioned, uh, next week we'll talk Apple TV Plus with Liam Matthews. Uh, we're going to talk Disney Plus, which comes out in a couple of weeks. And then we've got The Irishman and Marriage Story and The Two Popes and The Report. A lot of stuff coming to streaming platforms. A lot of award season contenders coming uh, to streaming platforms and additionally coming to home markets, including uh, Jordan Peele's Us which is available to rent now and we'll talk about as well next week. So thank you for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. This has been Golden Age.